I'm Christy Cooper, birth doula and creator of Little Doula on the Prairie, and you're listening to Birthing on the Prairies. This podcast was made as a safe place for families here on the prairies to come share their birth stories in every shape and form. So come grab a coffee and join us to hear informative, empowering birth stories from families right here in our communities. So my name is Naomi and I'm actually new to Alberta. I moved here from Ontario last year in May. Um, So I've only been here just under a year. Um, So yeah, I'm super excited to be here and share my story and be like an Alberta Prairie Mama. (laughs) Um, So I live pretty far north um, and we moved here just because we wanted to, you know, start off. We knew we wanted to start a family and we wanted to start homesteading and have more land and more opportunities. So we came out here, um, but I am yeah, an Ontario native. <laughs> and um, I'm also a birth keeper slash doula. Um, I am certified through the Matrona. So I did that when I first got here last year. And I'm a new mom. And yeah, so I'm just really excited to share my story. Oh my gosh. So you're up in Fairview, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. That is that is quite north. Yeah. <laughs> That's like, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. So finding out you were pregnant, was it like a complete surprise? Were you guys trying? So we had started trying. I believe I ended up getting pregnant on about my 13th cycle. So we had been trying for, um, yeah, like just over, just around a year um, with one loss. I had a loss back in May, actually, like right before I moved, it was actually the weekend of Mother's Day. Um, and I've just known my whole life of wanting to be a mom. Like when I was little, carry on little dolls. And I just like, my mom would ask me what I wanted to be when I grew up. And I'd always say a mom. And I've always been like obsessed and fascinated with birth. So um, I really, really wanted to get pregnant, but it was harder than we expected. And, you know, I, I'm like a young, healthy, you know, 20, I was 24 when we started trying. And I thought it would be a lot easier than it was. And not to say that 13 cycles is that long, but it's kind of getting close to that cusp of, oh, maybe there's something wrong. Right. Um, So I tried everything, um, you know, all the tricks and whatever. And I was so excited when we got pregnant back in May, but then it didn't stick. And that was kind of a hard pill to swallow. And it was um, pretty sad because I felt like so connected and excited for that baby. Um, and then we decided to, we decided to move and we were continuing kind of to try and I ended up falling pregnant. Um, so I, I did like a, I started working with a holistic nutritionist and, uh, she kind of had me just doing like, just changing up my eating to try to maybe correct my hormones. Cause I had a really short cycle. My luteal phase is only like nine days, which is not ideal for a baby to stick. Like my cycle is no. only like, I think, I think my cycle is like 25 days. So it's really Your hard. Your body's just like cycling so fast. Yeah. It's just like yeah. next, next, next. Yeah, exactly. So I, um, so I, it was very, my period was very regular, but I didn't have a long time for that, that um, lining to like build up in order to keep a baby. So I started working with her and within six weeks of working with her, I got pregnant again. And that was also the week I'm like kind of, 
you know, witchy. And it was the week of the Lionsgate portal, which I found was interesting. And it happened to be the same day that I attended my first birth. However, I didn't actually see the baby um, born because she ended up transferring like right before she had the baby. And you could only have, I was kind of mentoring another doula. And um, so only one of us could go to the hospital. But I felt like watching her labor and kind of being there. And the way it worked out is because we live so far north, she's actually like an hour from me and um, in Grimshaw area. Um, And the doula that was like coming to assist her was all the way in uh, from Red Deer. So she's like driving. Oh my gosh. I'm going to go and get there. I'm going to help her for now. And then... When you get here, hopefully you'll make it. But we didn't know. Like, I honestly thought that I would I would be there helping her. She was having a free birth or her plan was to have an unassisted free birth. And um, but the other doula did make it like in time. And then she ended up transferring about an hour or two later and then had the baby within the hour. But I felt like it was kind of a good um, like lesson, not lesson, but like learning experience um that sometimes you know you have these plans and they always don't come to fruition they don't work out exactly how you planned and that's okay there's nothing wrong with that so that was interesting but I felt like it was significant that I happened to conceive and had my my baby stuck that day so yeah so then fast forward on um I was due April 25th and we are at, what is the date today? April 20th. <laughs> so my baby's oh, not wow. actually supposed to be born until Tuesday, technically. Um, and he ended up coming early. So I had a pretty easy pregnancy, um, I thought. Everything kind of was smooth. I did have, so right from the very get-go, I did have some spotting, which kind of was triggering because of my early loss before. However, um, you know, everything was fine. I kind of obsessed. I took like a million tests to confirm my pregnancy. (laughs) I was like, is this real? Is this baby progressing? But my plan was to, um, I wanted to do an unassisted birth. And I I did try to get on um, with a local midwife to see even if I could connect. Um, I I knew I was pregnant like immediately. Yeah. I was six weeks uh, when I contacted, like when I applied for a midwife, but I never even heard back. Like it wasn't declined or it wasn't accepted, never heard back still to this day. Um, so I think I reached out to a few doulas um, or birth keepers to see if anybody um, supported unassisted birth. But I know that in the like doula association, you can't really do that. So there wasn't really anybody who wasn't registered or who, who, um, oops, sorry. <laughs> who um, would assist me. So I was, I was okay with that. Um, and then we, I decided to contact a midwife in Edmonton. And my options were, you know, you can come out here and stay in an Airbnb or have a hotel birth. Or if, if she felt like I was low risk enough, then she would confirm the birth for me via Zoom once I have the baby at home. Yeah. So everything was pretty smooth. Didn't really have anything crazy. Had a little bit of bleeding on and off. Um, anytime that I'd have sex, I would bleed. So, you know, just like little things like that, which was kind of unusual. But I just assumed it was a variation of normal. I didn't think it was any cause for emergency. My midwife said it's actually very common. 
So I only actually met her in person once. I did. I tried to have as much of a wild pregnancy as possible. Um, I did a private scan at the beginning to confirm. Um, and I did blood work um, and like the initial screening uh, also to confirm, especially again, like since I had that loss, I just wanted to make sure everything was good. And yeah, I wanted to kind of do it as just like, I just wanted to follow my intuition and follow my body. And if I needed, if I felt like I needed extra support, I would, but I wasn't really interested in doing like the gestational diabetes testing or anything to like, I didn't feel like it was necessary. So I just kind of, I took my own supplements. I, you know, followed certain advice, but I didn't, I didn't do anything really necessarily by the book. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So then fast forward on, everything's great. I had morning sickness, a lot of it. I also was convinced I was having a girl because <laughs> I had so much sickness yeah. and I just, my Nana and I both just felt like we were having girl. My husband said the same thing. We always thought we'd be girl parents. And um, so I had a lot of morning sickness and it didn't really stop until about 16 weeks. So from like six weeks dead on, it hit like, I swear that day I turned six weeks, I hit the six week mark and I was sick. And I didn't like necessarily throw up a lot, but I just felt awful, like horrible nausea. I ended up telling my work that I was pregnant at about eight weeks because I was like, I'm throwing up on my desk. I'm like sleeping under my desk on my lunch break and I might need a few more sick days. Um, so that was that. And so, yeah, about 16 weeks, it kind of eased off and then care and then it started up again and carried on until I was like 20 weeks. Did so. you have any like ways that would help manage it for yourself with it or is it just something that you're like there's nothing I can do or say or take to make this feeling go away yeah I just kind of <laughs> I just tried to like catch what foods maybe triggered it mm -hmm. um and yeah there was not much because it would one time I would eat something and it would be fine and then the next time I would eat something and it would make me sick or I would just have a thought or a smell or so I just I just kind of pushed through and and carried through and hoped that it would eventually stop. <laughs> but it was just like, it was horrible. I actually would rather it have been that I threw up all the time to like alleviate that feeling than just sitting there feeling so nauseated. Um, because that like nauseous, horrible feeling just like, oh, it had me just, it, yeah, it was awful. So yeah. So then, um, yeah, about 20 weeks, it finally stopped for good. And it would be very rare if I had any like feeling of sickness or anything. And I had, I did end up doing the anatomy scan at around 20 weeks um, and everything was all good, but I didn't want to know if I was having a boy or a girl. I had just decided in my head that this baby was a girl. I was convinced I had girls' names, had a hard time picking boys' names. We just thought that you were a little girl. Um, <laughs> And then um, at about, I'm trying to think back to what it, when it was, we went to the city because that's when we go every, well, at least once or twice a month, we go to the city, get some groceries um, and just do our errands. And that morning I was having like, like in the city, I mean, Grand Prairie, not Edmonton. Um, I know, I was like, oh, that's a long drive. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> just to the bigger cities. Yeah. Um, and I was having some like, what I thought was just gas pain or something. 
But now that I look back, I think I was maybe having like contractions. Or and how many weeks would you have been at that point? Yes, about 24 weeks. Okay. Um, so I thought maybe, but I, I didn't, I did, my stomach wasn't like hardening or tightening like what people typically explain. And even though I have a lot of knowledge around birth and stuff like that, I feel like when, when it's your own body, it's like very hard to identify certain feelings yeah. or certain things. Um, and I think about two days before that I had had like a small bit of like bleeding or not small bit, but like kind of like similar to period bleeding and I had reached out to my midwife she said as long as you feel fine if you feel baby moving you're good and that's the other thing my baby was so active like I swear just like constantly moving so I never really felt like anything was wrong whenever I would have the bleeding or anything because my baby was just so active so um yeah so I say about 24 weeks but nothing came of it I just just went back like just went carried off my day I did some yoga that morning to try to stretch it out because I thought maybe it was muscle pain gas pain whatever um it was very uncomfortable like in a lot of my back so that's also why I didn't think it was contractions or anything like that and the way that if you like look at Braxton Hicks or um they would like the way they describe it I was like no it doesn't really seem like that so I just thought okay gas pain whatever um so then at about so 28 weeks hit and because I was so sick during my pregnancy, I didn't, I wanted to like, you know, take pictures and really like <laughs> document the journey because I've always wanted to be pregnant. I loved being pregnant and I didn't really like always stick to the weekly marks, but at 28 weeks, I just felt like intuitively, like you're hitting the third trimester, like you need to take pictures. So I made my husband, like I got like a little bit dressed up. I made my husband follow me into a bedroom that had the nicest plainest wall and I was like Katie please take some pictures of me like I really feel like oh. <laughs> um I was like please take some pictures I feel like I really need them I'm hitting that third trimester I'm feeling beautiful and so we took pictures and then then that night I ended up waking up and I felt like I'd peed myself so I get up and I go to the bathroom and I'm like oh my gosh there's blood all down my legs and I sat down on the toilet and there was more blood and I was like oh no like something's wrong I yelled for my husband he ran to the bathroom he got out of bed so fast that he ended up like fainting because <laughs> I don't think he was expecting like I think he thought I needed toilet paper or something yeah, I don't think like he was <laughs> <sighs> yeah. expecting to like walk into the bathroom and see what he saw kind of thing and I'm just like annoyed at this point I'm like get off the ground like <laughs> What the heck are you doing? Like, are you going to drive me to the hospital or am I going to drive myself? Because, you know, I, I don't feel the baby moving. There's blood everywhere. I'm 28 weeks. Something's wrong. Although my baby did sleep kind of when I slept. So, but I was, I was kind of, I was up and moving around. I'm like, he's not, like, my baby's not getting up. There's something wrong. I go back to the bedroom to gather my stuff. There's like a little bit of like a kind of like a period pool of blood on the bed. So I drive myself, like my husband's with me, but I'm like annoyed at this point. I'm like, you're fainting, like get in the passenger seat, like let's go. <laughs> what a, like, a maternal thing to take over, hey? Like, yeah. we're just like, 
we need to take care of this and I guess we'll just do it ourselves. Like, yes, pretty much. <laughs> and I feel bad looking back. I'm like, I was kind of being a little bit snappy, but I was just like, I don't have time for you to be on the floor right mm. now. And, and like, it's like, it's like what you hear about husbands, like, and this is no shame, but like fainting doing like a birth. And it's like, you're supposed to be here to support me. Like you're supposed to be my rock right now. Like get up. But yeah. no. So anyway, so yeah, we drive to the hospital um just to the Fairview Hospital it's about 25 minutes from where I am because I live just like I live on an acreage outside of town um and they kind of check me in and ask me questions and then and at this point in my pregnancy like I pretty much had a pretty wild pregnancy other than my scans like I, I didn't really have cervical checks or anything like that so this was my first time having a cervical check and they actually just did a speculum and mm-hmm. the doctor looked in and was kind of like oh you're like slightly dilated, um, nothing crazy, but your cervix is definitely opening. So that would make sense why there was blood. They did a swab to see if um, any amniotic fluid had come, but actually I think that they did get a false positive, but they said with blood that can, that can cause a positive. Yeah. So, um, and they did a, a Doppler and a, a scan just to make sure he was okay. And there was a heartbeat and it was moving. Um, so the baby was fine. And yeah, so then they were like, but I think we should transfer you to Edmonton because you, even though you're not having contractions or anything, you may go into labor. So I was like, okay, totally not prepared for that. Um, I'm like, okay. And I'm thinking to myself, I've got, I'm 28 weeks, like, ooh, this is early. Like if I were to go into labor and they gave me a shot of beta-methasone um because they were like if your baby's born this is supposed to help the lungs and I'm also like very much a holistic person and there's nothing wrong with not being that's just how I am like I don't even take Tylenol or anything like that I have a headache um but I was kind of like so panicked in the moment and they gave me the shot and I'm like okay we're doing this so um they said it would help the baby's lungs develop if I were to have the baby so they transferred me and it was funny, I guess the lights were out at the Fairview, so classic. The lights were out at the Fairview airport, so they couldn't come until like a few hours later. So I think by the time they could they had to wait for the sun to come up and it was still like winter time. So obviously it was a lot darker. And um, so they ended up coming around like, I think nine. And I went to the hospital at like 2 a.m. So I was just kind of like waiting there and nothing was happening. But they're like, if you if you're gonna have a baby, you want to be at the Royal Alex. And I'm like, had okay. the bleeding had slowed down around yes. that point in time. Yeah, it had. So I wasn't still like actively bleeding, but because they saw that my cervix was slightly open, mm-hmm. they were like, and they said like, you know, this can happen. Like some people, this happens too, and their cervix opens early and nothing happens. But they were like, just in case, we should probably send you. So they send me and I'm going to make a timeline here. I believe I went in in the middle of the night on the 30th. So I got there in the morning on the 31st. Um, and so we went, so I, I was there. They assessed me in the, um, not the labor and delivery, the, the assessment floor. Yeah. Um, and same thing. They were kind of like, oh, you know, you're slightly dilated, but nothing crazy. They did a cervical check. You're like two to three centimeters. And I will say like, I've never had a cervical exam before because I, at the beginning or cervical check at, in Fairview, they did just a speculum, which was like yeah. what you get a pap smear. And I've had that before, but 
I had never had a cervical check. Holy, I, that was horrible. I did, I hated it. That was awful. <laughs> there, uh, yeah. There, <laughs> who likes getting them done? There's, no, exactly. Nobody does, but I did not expect it to hurt like that. And I also like, because I had gone my whole pregnancy and I really didn't want things like that, but in this kind of like emergency situation, it was like, I kind of was so concerned about the well-being of the baby that I just kind of allowed things that I normally probably wouldn't have wanted to do or I would have maybe declined. So they checked me, but nothing. I'm still, I'm not having contractions. I'm not in labor. So they kind of kept me, but they didn't let me eat for like, because they were like, in case you have to have, you know, emergency C-section. I'm like, I'm not even in labor. So I didn't eat for like, I want to say like almost like 20 hours by the time that they let me go downstairs to the antepartum unit. And I even, like when I was waiting for the the plane, I was like, can I get something to eat? Like trying to see if I can, I knew they weren't going to let me, but I was like trying to, because I knew I'm like, if I go there, they're probably not going to let me eat. So maybe this, someone will slip up and give me something. No, they were like, nope, in case you're having surgery. And I'm like, really guys? So didn't need anything. And I felt very dehydrated. They did put me on fluids at a point, but I feel like it wasn't like long enough. Like, I don't know. It was kind of like on and off and they were moving me around and they'd forget to hook me back up or, so I was really dehydrated. And then I ended up, so I got moved down to the antepartum unit and they just kind of wanted to monitor me for a couple of days and check everything. They were kind of annoyed because they had seen like, so they were like, you haven't had any scans. And I'm like, nope, I had a 20 week scan. And I also had a private because they were like upset that I didn't have a dating scan, but I knew my dates. So it didn't matter. Yeah, um, They did push for me to have an in-depth, uh, another in-depth scan. So I did that. There was nothing wrong. They couldn't find anything. Everything was normal. Um, and then I was on the antepartum unit for a while. Um, and yeah, they kind of, I felt like they were kind of trying to find anything and like anything that could have caused this bleeding and me to be there. So like they were on me about wanting to do gestational diabetes. Oh. And the reason I didn't do that in the first place is one, because I didn't want to take the drink. And two, because I had had a gastric bypass surgery two years or almost three years ago. And I knew that if I did that test, I would automatically fail because yeah. the sugar would make me sick. So I wouldn't have even passed. So I, and I told them that. And I also knew that the beta methasone shot can cause um, higher, like your blood sugar levels to show up higher and kind of mess with the testing. So it was bothering me. They kept like pushing for me to do like blood sugar testing. And I was like, well, why would I do that if I, A, just like just had that shot that can mess with the results. So then they were like, well, we're going to monitor your sugars after every meal, like the whole time you're here. And I'm like, so they like made me prick my finger and monitor my blood sugar. But I was like, but I could have bad readings because of this. So it was odd, but I just kind of went along with it. Cause I was also trying not to be um, difficult because I didn't want to like flag myself for anything because I had planned for an unassisted birth and right. I also didn't my midwife in trouble so I just kind of tried like is I know it's legal and but I know that it's also kind of frowned upon especially like if you're in a medical setting like that I feel like but, once you like enter you know that 
going into a hospital setting and like that method of care, like for sure, I feel like everyone starts like giving you the side eye. Exactly. And I never said that I wasn't having an, or that I was planning for an unassisted because they were kind of like, oh, like, where are you going to deliver? And like, I kind of just kind of fibbed or like, like extended the truth a little bit Mm -hmm. because I didn't want to flag myself. I didn't want to get my midwife in trouble and I didn't want them to try to keep me for more than they needed to. Yeah. So I just kind of like did as they asked, but I also made sure to advocate for myself. And I also made it very clear that I'm like well-educated and certain things I wasn't going to allow. Um, so the next night I believe it was, I woke up in the night and I was having these like tightenings. And this time my stomach was actually like tightening. So I was like, Oh, these must be contractions. I don't know. So I like kind of at first put it off and just kind of waited it out. And then eventually I was like, okay, like I better tell the nurse because, you know, I don't know if (laughs) this is labor. Like, I don't know. So then they set me up to labor and delivery. Um, And also I forgot to mention, I was flown out, but my husband drove to meet me. Um, So I don't even know if he was here. He was there at this. No. How do you go in there? I think he was already there at this point, but he was staying in a hotel because I was in antepartum. I wasn't in labor delivery. He couldn't stay the night. So I'm like calling him in the night over and over again, like get to the hospital. Like I'm having contractions. They moved me to labor and delivery. I don't know if I'm having this baby. So I got up there. Um, they did another cervical check. I was like, it was to the point where I was like crying. Like it was so painful. Um, it was awful. I'm like still traumatized from the cervical checks. Um, and you know they're like oh we really need to do this like we need to make sure like if you're in labor and they kind of like guilt you and I'm like I can be confrontational but like in those moments I'm kind of more timid timid and I was just like I just felt so violated and everything was happening so fast and I was already worried because I was like if I have a baby right now they're gonna be a preemie and you know so I just went along with it but I was like bawling so it was just horrible um and they brought me yeah they brought me up to labor and delivery and I was still staying like I was two to three centimeters so it wasn't really like progressing or anything but I changed yeah yeah so I was definitely contracting but I wasn't like I don't think I was actually in labor Uh, my theory is I think that I was very dehydrated Mm. from eating and not drinking for so many hours that I think, and then I also believe that because I went through my whole pregnancy with already having a very sensitive cervix, that those cervical checks could have triggered something as well. Just because I hadn't had that. And even like having sex would make me bleed. So having someone shove their hand up there wasn't ideal. Um, So then, yeah. So they gave me another shot um, because I think that if they can, they try to get two in there. They had held the second one because I wasn't going into labor the first time. I, I just was a little bit dilated. Um, and, and they thought, oh, maybe you're going to have a baby. And I'm like, oh, great. And all I can think to myself is, oh, please don't give me, like, I don't want to have a 28-weeker. Like, that's just so early. And I just was, like, praying and hoping that <laughs> my baby wasn't was going to stick in there for a little bit longer. So then, um, yeah, so... I kind of stayed up there. Contractions eventually just stopped and they brought me back down to the antepartum unit. And 
went on, stayed there, them monitoring me, hooking me up to the tens machine, monitoring me multiple times a day and just kind of that was it. Um, I was there for, so I got there on the 31st. I think I was discharged on the 6th. Um, there was a period of time. There was a moment where I had lost, like, and now I look back and I wonder if it was like my mucus plug slash bloody show. Um, I had like past this like big blood clot. Yeah. Looking. But again, nothing changed. I was kind of fine. So they made me stay two days after that. Because they were like, oh, that could be something. And so they asked me what supplements I was taking at home. And I take magnesium, but I don't take my magnesium citrate because magnesium citrate is like basically a laxative. And they couldn't find the one that I was taking, like whatever compound I was taking. So they gave me that and I didn't catch it at first. But oh my God, I was having like major diarrhea for like days because they were giving me this, this, and I was like, and then after I like paid attention when they handed me the package to take my, my supplements. And I'm like, what the heck you guys are giving me? Like you guys, and they were trying to give me a regular laxative too, but I kept saying, oh, I don't need that. I'm fine. I'm pretty regular on my own. Like they always assume that if you're a pregnant woman in the hospital, you're you're yeah, but I was not. So I never took it, but then I took magnesium citrate or citrate and I, had like crazy diarrhea it was horrible like embarrassing because I'm sharing a room with someone else like another mom <laughs> don't mind <laughs> me you're just like dumb yeah. and dumber pooping <laughs> yeah. in the bathroom beside them yeah so I'm like oh god like this is horrible and then I realized and I told them I'm not taking this anymore like this is not the, the magnesium that I take at home and this is just acting as a laxative and I'm not taking it so then I think it was like a day after that I was discharged. I think it was the sixth. And they asked me when I was being discharged, like, oh, you know, can you sign this form so that we can like share your baby's medical records? And I'm like, no, like, can I, can you print me off this form so I can read it? Because that doesn't make, that's not making much sense to me. My baby isn't born yet. Like, what are you talking about? So I was kind of just like, and they wouldn't print it for me. It was just like one of those, like it was on their laptop and they wanted me to just yeah. like sign my oh. finger on the computer. And I'm like, I'm not signing anything that I, I don't sign anything that I can't read. So they were like, I could hear my husband came and he was helping me get my stuff and he was walking through past the desk and he was like, he could hear them talking about how like her saying that I didn't want to sign it. And then the nurse was like, oh, whatever, just let her go. Like if she doesn't want to sign it, that's fine. Just it's fine. But like they were kind of looking at me like who like what's wrong with this girl? Like she's this check. Yeah, like she, she's like refusing certain medication. She's refusing to sign off on like what they think is like a routine document. Yeah. But I'm just like, I don't know what I'm signing. If you're not willing to print it to me, I'm not signing it. Valid. So, <laughs> so then they discharged me. It is now February 6th. Uh, my husband has a hotel room 10 minutes away. And they tell me, you might want to just stick around because you are five and a half hours from home, just in case, stick around for like, you know, a night or two. And if anything comes up, come back to the hospital. But, you know, nothing's changing. We're not going to force, we're not going to keep you here. Um, So I was like, okay, cool. And I was messaging my friend um, back home who 
was going to be my birth keeper if I were to have my unassisted birth at home. And I was kind of in my head, like, all right, everything's cool. Everything's good. Like, I'm still going ahead with my plan. What kind of birth tub should I be buying? Like, I was just like in this mindset, like, you know what it is, I'm doing my thing. I don't care if I have this experience, maybe just a variation of normal. I'm going to, you know, continue on with my plan. Baby's moving every time, you know, on the, on the machine that they checked, his heart rate was great, whatever. So we stay in the hotel and my husband's like, really like, you need to rest. Like, like, you know, we're not going to do this and that. Like you're staying here and you're resting in the bed. I'm like, fine, whatever. You're no fun. So (laughs) I was just very stubborn. I was like, I'm like, I'm like a doer. And I don't like to like sit around. And I was like stuck in that bed at the hospital. I was going to say, you've been like stuck in a hospital all week, basically. Yeah. yeah. And now your husband's like, go to bed. Yeah, pretty much. She was like, she told me like the, the OB was like, I'm going to put you on pelvic rest. But, uh, and then, so I was like, okay, but I can still like do things. It's not bed rest. It just means like, don't be having sex. Don't be like, you know, doing anything too strenuous. But my husband was like very adamant, like, please just relax. I'm like, fine. So we decided to stay a night. Uh, we decided to stay two more nights and I was having this back pain and I thought, okay, you're, you know, you just spent a week in the hospital. The one bed in the assessment was horrible. It had like, it was like one of those older ones that was like separated. So there was like a bar in the middle and it would just like right where my, oh, I'm so uncomfortable. So I was like, oh, maybe it's just back pain from that. So I would get my, I would just have like baths. And the only thing that would stop the pain would be having these baths. Okay. And I'm like kind of in denial, like, because I don't want to be going into labor. So I'm just like convincing myself it's anything but that. I also had like some like watery discharge. And I also had, I had now been off of those that magnesium for two days. So the diarrhea had stopped, but then I noticed I was starting to have like looser stools again, but I'm like in denial. I'm like, no, it's just like back pain. I'm fine. It's (laughs) not the prostaglandin. It's not the prostaglandin. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just like, it's nothing. And it would happen every time. It was like, every time I'd want to go to bed and lay down, it would be like this excruciating back pain. As soon as I was ready for bed, it would hit like, you know, 10 o'clock. I lay down to go to bed and it would go on, on and off until like 5 a.m. And then I'd sleep from like five till eight and be fine. And then all day I'd be pretty much fine. But then it would be like, I'd hit the pillow, same thing happened the next night. So I'd be like up in the middle of the night, like in the bathtub, just like in the hotel room, like what is going on? But again, I wasn't having like tightenings in the front. And now that I had had those contractions at the hospital, I'm like, that's what a contraction is. So I'm like, okay. And then my husband's like, well, do you want to stay another night? Like, you know, we don't have to rush home. I'm like, no, like, you know, we've spent a crazy amount of money staying in these hotels because you've been here now for like eight days. Let's go home. I miss my dogs. My poor grandmother's, you know, moved into my house to take care of my dogs. So we drive back the five and a half hours on the way home. We have to stop multiple times because I'm like going to poop my pants. I'm like still having like this horrible diarrhea. My back is like going through these like spasms every like, you know, at this point it was like every 20 minutes. And 
Dante's like, are you sure you don't want to just like stop off in Grand Prairie and like go to the hospital? And I'm like, no, like we're fine. I'm going home. Like I miss my home. I want to sleep in my own bed. Like I'm done with this and I'm not in labor. I'm going home. So we get all the way home and it's about 5 p.m. And by 10 p.m., these like spasms are like eight minutes apart. And my husband's like, okay, like Naomi, we're going to the hospital. Like call them and let them know that you're coming because it's an hour and a half drive. So he's like, we need to let them know that you're coming. So we go home or we go back. I'm like frantically trying to pack stuff because last time we had, I had like no clothes. I had nothing. It wasn't prepared to be airlifted. He tried to pack me a bag and you know what it's like if you ask your husband to pack you a bag, it's like, I don't even know what he was thinking. The <laughs> he was just trying to stay conscious. He yeah, just... pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> so we drive back uh, here. We're going, we're like, okay, we're going to the hospital. We get there at about midnight. They check me. They're like, we're going to have to do a cervical check. And I'm like, oh, I really like, please no. Like, I'm like, I don't want to do it. Honestly, this doctor was so gentle, so kind. And he's like, I need to just check you because I need to know, you know, if you're in labor and if like how far along we are here, because, you know, if I want to make sure that we have enough time to get you if we have to transfer you. They called the, or the um, NICU at the hospital, but they wouldn't take babies below 32 weeks. And I'm here coming up on like 29. I think I'm now I'm at like over 29 weeks. So they're like, you're not you're too early to have a baby here because we only have this level of NICU. And I'm like, okay. So I'm like still in my head, like this baby's probably not actually coming. Like we're fine, but I'm also like scared and all the emotions are kind of running through. So I, they airlift me again for the second time. My poor husband now has just driven all the way from Edmonton back home, back now to Grand Prairie. So he's done like, you know, seven and a half hours of driving. <laughs> Or more because it takes oh. longer when you your pants every, you know, hour. So, but then we're like, we don't want you to be stuck without a vehicle in case we're there again for a week. So he drives all night. Poor guy pulls over for like a nap on the side of the highway. Um, and they airlift me there. I get there around probably like 1130 noonish, And, um, they assess me again, and now I'm about like three to four centimeters. Um, and yeah, they're just kind of like monitoring me, but now I'm still having these contractions. So I'm like, I am contracting, and I had th- so when I was in the uh, hotel after leaving Edmonton, when I had had my ultrasound, they had told me that he was head down, but I started noticing like I could feel like like there was something there and it didn't feel like he was head down. And when he would move in my stomach, I like just the way that my stomach looked, I'm like, he must've shifted position or something. And I kept saying to my husband, when I was like having those feelings, like I, I kept saying, like, I feel like a foot's going to fall through my pelvis. Like something's like off, like he must've changed position. Like, I don't know what's going on. And, um, they do a scan and they do a cervical check and they could feel a bulge. So he had flipped and he was now breech coming feet first, but the cord was wrapped around his foot. So they were like monitoring me closely and they were like, you know, you're not really like progressing a crazy amount or you're not, you know, like dilating. You're okay. But if your water breaks, it's going to 
probably be a cord prolapse and it's going to be if that happens if your water breaks it will be like a code pink c-section husband won't be able to be in there with you you'll be put out like it's a true emergency so I'm like great like worried but I'm also like at this point they haven't confirmed whether or not I'm actually going to be having a c-section or delivering or anything like that it was kind of like if, 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 because I was only sticking at that same like four centimeters. However, my contractions were getting more intense and they kept coming in there. Like I swear every time I'd have a contraction, they were watching on the machine, obviously. And they would come in and they're like, do you want something for pain? Like you look like you're really like uncomfortable. And I'm like, no, thank you. Like, I'm just trying to breathe through these contractions. Like, and I was doing really well. Like I wasn't, you know, like, I wasn't super loud or anything. I was just kind of like deep breathing, really like trying to, you know, get in my head and be calm and keep my body just like grounded. Yeah. And, you know, obviously it was uncomfortable, but I was managing just fine. And it got to the point where like, even my husband was like, if she wants medication, she will like, let you know, like she's fine. And I was fine. And I didn't want it because in my head, I'm thinking, I already wanted to have a natural birth and coming from an unassisted birth. Now I'm potentially having a C-section in a hospital in a city, five and a half hours from where I live 11 weeks early. So I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, I don't like, I really want to try at least if I can make it, even if I have a C-section, I want to make it to that point without any medication. Because I also thought in my head, like if I take, you know, whatever they're giving me, like, I don't want my baby to be born sleepy because then his lungs, like, you know, he's already so early. I don't want to take anything and also like obstruct potentially, you know, him needing more intervention when he's born. If that's so my contractions just kept getting closer to get closer together, more intense. And they were kind of like, we think that we should just, you know, give you an emergency C-section because like I said, if your water breaks, this baby's coming feet first and the cord is still there. Like, and it's very dangerous, a cord prolapse, you know, we're not, we're not having, we're not like, we're not giving the option to have a vaginal birth. So, and I'm like devastated because I didn't even want to be in a hospital period, let alone a C-section. That's like one of my, it had been like one of my biggest fears. And, you know, you hear all these horror stories and you hear, you know, some adverse effects that people have afterwards and, you know, there's no shame to like C-section mamas or people who choose that, but it wasn't something that I thought was part of my journey. And it wasn't something that I ever wanted um, ever since I was like a child and understood like birth. Like I really just didn't want that. So I was really emotional. You know, I called my dad, I called him like crying and telling him that I have to have the C-section. And my husband's like being such a champ and being so supportive. And so then the hospital goes on lockdown because there's some person threatening the hospital. So, you know, all the lights are out in the halls and they're telling me like, you know, you're going into it. Like they gave me about an hour warning. The doctor came from the NICU to like, kind of give me a lowdown of what it's going to be like. Ask me if I'd be okay with donor milk until my supply comes in X, Y, Z. But then the hospital's on lockdown and I'm like, really, of course, of course, this baby has to come 11 weeks early, middle of a lockdown. I'm like thinking to myself, are they going to let my husband come? So they kind of snuck us all through the halls and I will say my nurse was amazing. Um, shout out to her because she like 
was she's like, I'll be there with you every step of the way. I'll talk you through everything. Like, you know, she like held my hands while they were giving me my spinal. Um, she was really, really awesome. Except for when, so obviously when you're in the C-section, there's a curtain, so you can't see like yourself or past that, but I could see off to the side and my husband's like holding my hand. He's like, you know, like, just look at me. Everything's going to be okay. And I can see the nurse like making this face and I'm like, oh my God, is something wrong? Like, she's like going like, like, like just kind of like looking so concerned and I'm like, oh my God, like, please don't let there be anything wrong with this baby. And it turns out, so they, so at the baby's born, they tell me it's a boy. I'm like shocked. Cause I was like, I'm having a girl. My husband and I had like talked briefly before. We're like, okay, so if it's a boy, this is going to be the name. If it's a girl, this is going to be the name. Like, are we good with that? And he's like, I thought we'd have more time to decide. <laughs> like, I know, but this baby's coming. So we need to decide, like, what are we naming this baby? So yeah. So anyway, she's looking and making this face and I'm like, oh God, it's a boy. They're like, we're just going to take him, make sure he's stable. Everything's good. I'm like, okay. I'm like crying emotional. And I guess what had happened was his arm got stuck a little bit. So she must have been watching them try to pull his arm out. And she was kind of looking like, e, you know, but I could see her. I'm like, this is the worst thing. Like, control your face in a freaking C-section room. It's already right. traumatic. And they have a mask on, so it's just I, their eyeballs. Like, Oh, but her eyebrows were like up here. I'm like, what is going on? So when, I guess when he came out, his one arm was quite bruised and they actually did x-rays to make sure it wasn't fractured and he was fine. It was just super swollen for a couple of days. So he was born at 29 weeks and two days. Um, and I was very lucky he didn't have to be intubated. Um, I guess his lungs were strong enough. I don't know if the beta methadone shots helped. He had, they had like eight days to work. Um, and he was healthy, was breathing on his own. It's beautiful. Um, but it was so sad because, you know, I couldn't hold him right away. I had to lay there and I got, they let, he, they brought the incubator up to beside me and let me like stick my arm through and, and hold his hand. And I was crying and it was so emotional. And they let my husband go up right away, which was really nice. So I felt kind of secure in that. And then I had to wait till I had recovered. Um, and until basically I could stand up on my own and before so I could get into the wheelchair to go up to see him so he was born at 5 16 p.m wanted to be a little Aquarius baby on February 9th he was born and we named him Judah and um yeah so I I got down to recovery my husband was up with him for like quite a while and I think they let him hold him and you know just watch him and make sure he was good and I went, they brought me to the postpartum unit and I'm in the bed. They like transfer me into the bed. Everything's fine. But then the nurse, it was really busy that day. Like there was like nurses just running around like chickens with their head cut off and God bless them. They were great. But I like feel like I'm wet and I look down and there's like, I'm like sitting in a pool of blood and I'm like, great. Like there's a little hemorrhage here and no nurses to be found. I'm like saying to my husband, I'm like, Dante, can you please like find me? A nurse like just because like I feel fine but I, I'm hemorrhaging so if it continues I could pass out like you know yeah. so they come and I don't know if she like realized how like serious it was at first and then when they realized like when they finally came in they're like oh my gosh so I think at that point they gave me like Pitocin or something 
to encourage clotting. Also something I really want. However, at least it was after I'd already had the baby. So it didn't have an effect on him. Um, and yeah, they, nothing, they, it, it stopped. They kept doing, you know, like the fundal massages, which were also horrible, especially after being cut open, like so close. It was so uncomfortable. I totally understand now what people are talking about when you hear about it. Um, and yeah, so I got to go up and see him at around 1230 AM. So it was about like almost six hours after, or actually, yeah, it was about six hours after he was born. And yeah, we got to go up. And then after that, he was in the NICU for, I think it was about six weeks before we got to go home. So, yeah. That's intense and this is fresh like I know you guys can't see this but she is holding this little beautiful little man yes fresh fresh he's so he'd be 39 weeks and what are we at Thursday 39 weeks in two days today so he'll be at his gestation on Tuesday like at the 40 week gestation so I guess born by this point but yeah so Obviously, that is a lot to process. And so, like, going from a plant unassisted birth, you know, with a birth keeper and to what panned out to be this, like, cesarean emergency birth of this, like, preemie breach <laughs> baby. Yeah. Like, how, how have you been doing through that healing process? Like, obviously, it's ongoing like it's still fresh like you're in your postpartum period still so like how has that been um it was really hard at first because um so I was staying at the Ronald McDonald house when we were still in Edmonton um which was amazing they were amazing um amazing to have like meals made and you know it was a great experience great of an experience as it could be in that department Um, But it was very lonely. Like my husband had to come home to work because we had blown through so many savings that week before um, just being in Edmonton. And um, like I was off work. I was already on stress leave like a week before all of that happened. Um, And so it was like very isolating and lonely because I was kind of like by myself staying at the Ronald McDonald house. And I was just going back and forth from the hospital. I would spend like 10 hours a day there and like, I'm like healing from a like major surgery and then like emotionally healing. I'm like figuring out exclusively pumping because he's being like tube fed at this point. Um, and I think it was more like grief um, or it is still like grieving the experience that I thought that I'd have. Um, and then also like just going through things that I had feared. I also like had my C-section. They discharged me like I think a day or two later And then at first, while I was waiting to get into Ronald McDonald, we were staying at the border rooms in the hospital. But the walk to those freaking rooms. A long walk. Yeah. Like, you know, I had I had imagined my postpartum period being like, you know, spending the 40 days in bed, having like my family like helping and like waiting on me and supporting me that way, you know, really taking it easy, nourishing my body, soaking up that postpartum period. To like, you had a C-section, 
two days ago. Now I'm going to have you walk like 15 minutes through this like hospital to this dungeon and back every time. And like the worst part was they don't let you take the keys out of the building. So you have to like, so if we were going to leave to go get food or to go like, you know, do anything, we'd have to like leave the hospital. We'd have to come all the way back up from those border rooms, drop off the key, then exit the hospital. Like it was insane. So yeah, that was hard. And then once I was moved into Ronald McDonald and my husband had gone home about a week after he was born to work, um, it was just very isolating. Like I spent a lot of time like crying and just like grieving what I thought it would be. And then also just worrying about him, like not being able to sleep next to my child um, was really, really hard. Like, you know, having to leave him at night. And I did like the nurses and doctors were really great in the NICU. And like, I had really big fears about that um, because I typically am not someone who like loves to use our, our medical system. I try to stay away from it. So it was really challenging to like put that trust with my brand new tiny little baby he was two pounds 12 ounces so you can imagine how tiny he was um and just like having to accept it was just a hard pill to swallow to have to accept that this was the reality but I also was kind of in like just like mama bear mode and I just like did what I needed to do you know after a couple days of like feeling sorry for myself I just like snapped into like this is what I have to do I need to pump now I need to bring my baby food I need to be there you know, as many hours as I can spend a day, you know, and just like, I just did it. So I didn't really have like much of a healing postpartum period. Um, because I was just like in go, go, go mode, like going from the hospital, I would go home or go to Ronald McDonald to eat dinner every day. And then I would come back and then I would go to bed. So I was there from like 8am till like just before dinner time, go home and eat come back until like nine or 10 and just repeat every day. Um, and then when he started, when they started introducing like the oral feeds, um, that was like, I had to be there even more because I wanted to be there to optimize those, those opportunities as much as possible. Um, Cause like they kind of, sorry, buddy, they've kind of like integrate you into the feeding. So like they have like a stages so you start off and you're allowed to feed them this much on a half full breast, at, like for so many minutes and then they get their uh, tube feed. And then, so, but he did really well. Like I will say, even from the minute that he came out, they used to call him like super feisty. So he had like a little bit of um, like jaundice, like he was just over the number or just under the number that they wanted it to be at or just over. Um, and so he had to do the lights, like the, phototherapy or whatever and he hated it because he's like laying there naked with these lights on him and this stupid little mask <laughs> and they would be like such a feisty little guy like you know and he was but then once he was done with his phototherapy like he still to this day doesn't really cry much um he's pretty like chill and laid back he's easy to soothe he sleeps well um but he was just such a little cutie and he was so like every milestone he just blew the doctors away. Like what they would typically, like they kind of underestimated him based on his gestation, but every little milestone, he would just kick ass. Like he was just like, he was awesome. So he got his CPAP off early. Um, he never really needed it. It was always at the lowest number, but they had it kind of just as a precaution. Um, you know, like his, 
ultrasounds on his head, his eye test, his ear test, like everything. He would always just like fly by, pass the flying colors. He ended up getting like, I think they discharged him and he was like 35 weeks and four or five days. Yeah. So like he got out of there early. They typically say like plan to be there until your due date. So like technically we still be be there. Yeah, that would be horrible. Not that it wasn't. It was it was a bet like the best experience I think that it could have been. Yeah. Based on like what I had feared. And um so we he was in like the NICU and the pods for the most time and I had to stay at Ronald McDonald. But then a couple weeks before he was discharged, I think when he was about thirty-three and a bit, thirty-three and five maybe, um, they moved us down to what they call five west, which is like a transitional unit and I got to stay with him. house to come home basically yeah so I got to stay with him and that was really nice like even though I was living in a hospital room being able to sleep next to him being able to wake up and oral feed him being able to bathe him um, he did have a bit of issues like maintaining his temperature when we moved down there because it was quite cold and that the, it was very inconsistent so there was a couple days where he had to go back into the incubator just like in there but I still took him out to feed him and, and cuddle him and give him skin to skin. But yeah, the, the postpartum period was, was definitely unique in my experience, but it was just a lot of grief. And I think I still feel a lot of grief. I feel like there's a lot of things I missed out on that I wanted to do, opportunities. Um, and it just wasn't the experience that I had planned for or imagined. Um, you know, there's a lot more medical intervention than I would have liked. You know, there was certain things that I maybe wouldn't have consented to if I didn't feel like we were in such a rush and it was such an emergency. Um, Yeah, so there's definitely going to be a lot to work through. Yeah. Going forward, and I had really wanted to have my kids close together. Like, I I was hoping to have, like, but now, you know, with the C-section, you want to wait it out, try to plan in between births and then also because now I've had a preemie baby um and I've gone into premature labor the chance of it happening again is there Mm -hmm. so that's something too and they never found a reason or cause to the bleeding nope there was never center wasn't low-lying it wasn't I had a posterior placenta it was in perfect position when like when I went into labor, when I have the ultrasounds, like nothing, there was nothing they could find. Point their finger at to say, this is why. No, there was nothing. So it was frustrating because I felt like they were reaching constantly and like trying to find something, but there was nothing. And they kept running these extra tests and wanting to do this. And, and at one point I said, I was done. Like I was like, I'm done doing any tests. I'm done like I'm not giving you any more blood like I'm like there's nothing you're not finding anything and I'm telling you what I know and I'm sick of being like a lab rat so no we're not doing any more testing so um they couldn't find anything and to this day we still don't have any answers as to why that happened um I I maybe have speculated maybe it was because I had a gastric bypass surgery a few years back but even then it's been three years since then And there's nothing, there's still nothing biologically like. It's like nothing's like connected 
from like what that anatomy wise to no other than oh, and I think that's the hardest part too is like going through this whole process mm-hmm. and like you still can't say okay it was because of this so next it- time I will not do this and potentially it'll save me this whole experience again and so to leave it open-ended like that and to have to like heal and just like surrender to that whole experience is that's a lot it is a lot and you're right like you're totally right by saying that like it's almost harder that they couldn't find a reason because it's like what what can I do differently next time and I want to have more kids and I will have more children um I just don't know and then the other thing is too like I feel blessed and lucky that he's as healthy and happy as he is because I saw some of those other babies, you know, in the NICU. I, I, you know, I talked to some of those other moms who, you know, whose babies have like, you know, other issues or have had to have heart surgeries or, you know, there's something with their brain or, you know, like there was one woman in there who she first started going into labor at 18 weeks, had the tax surgery to sew her cervix to hopefully prevent it. And then she ended up delivering anyways at 26 weeks. So it's like, you know, like I hope and I'm going to pray that it doesn't happen again, the one-off, but I also have to consider what my next pregnancy and birth is going to look like and how yeah. I'm going to work around that and how I'm going to be able to still incorporate, you know, cause like I'd want to, you know, try for a VBAC, you know, or a VBAC home birth is ideal, but like, in the situation, like, I think I'd be considered like high risk or I'd consider myself high risk. Right. So there's all these things to consider and then trying to heal and like trying not to have anxiety. <laughs> it's, it's a huge, huge undertaking for sure. Yeah. You're a powerful, powerful woman. Like <laughs> to do all that. And then it's just like, there's there's no time for you to have like those like really, I call them like not, not a pity party. I don't want to call it that, but like, there's like no time. Like you, you got your mom, you're healing. You just had a cesarean. You have all these things and you just have to keep like putting like one foot in front of the other. Yeah. Keep going. Pretty much. Pretty much. That's kind of how it's been. I'm really happy to be home. Like I think coming home was healing in itself because it also felt like such an achievement and that sounds silly, but it was like, it was just so amazing to come home. Like that feeling to sleep in my own bed, to be able to start making more, not that they didn't let me make decisions for my baby, but you know, like you've got all these other people who are participating in the care or who are kind of directing what you can and can't do or should and shouldn't do and watching you and, you know, taking care of my baby when the only person I really want touching my baby is myself and my husband, you know, at this period, especially when he's, you know, so little. So I just found, sorry, buddy. I know. I don't know what. (laughs) You guys, he's like so cute and little still. He has like the newborn scrunch. Like, yes. (laughs) I mean, if there's anything with having a baby early, like you get that newborn scrunchy, yes, squishiness for like extra long. That much longer, right? Like I get an extra eleven weeks, and I'm really grateful for that. And you know, they say like little Aquarian babies are like freedom fighters, and they really like want to like be free. So it felt like 
it sounds crazy, but like when I look back and I reflect on my pregnancy, I started nesting like at like 25, 26 weeks. Like I had, I had a conversation with my friend who was going to be my birth keeper about like how I felt this like impatient feeling and this feeling like I needed to get everything together at that moment. Like I had my, like I had his room done at like 18 weeks. Like there's something like there's an unconscious connection that like moms have with their babies. And like for you to be doing all of that, like there's always a reason behind it. I felt like I knew. Yeah. That like subconsciously that he was going to come early, but I pushed it off too as just kind of like anxiety or like sometimes intrusive thoughts. I had like, it was to the point where if I'd be scrolling on TikTok. And like a baby, a NICU baby or something would come up. I would like scroll past it because I couldn't even look at it at that moment. You're like, no, it doesn't deal with me. Yeah. yeah. If I touched it, I felt like I was accepting that that could potentially happen to me. Like it was like I had this weird fear. So I think I knew. And like when I look back, you know, on those periods of like when I went into the city and I was having those, you know, contractions that I didn't recognize as contractions at the time. And then when... You know, I'm driving home from Edmonton or that those two nights, I like I knew I was in labor. I just didn't want to admit it. And I wasn't ready to accept that that was my reality. But when I when I think of the whole experience as a whole, I learned so much. One, I feel like I can support women better now having a whole other, you know, experience and outlook on birth. Um, And I feel like I'm blessed to have gotten that extra 11 weeks with him. And yeah, I just, I learned so much. I learned about my body. I also feel empowered that I, that I had gone through an experience that I had so much fear around. Like a C-section for me was like the end of the world, but I did it and I made it through and I was fine and I'm, I'm healing and I'm okay, you know? So at the end of the day, like there were some moments, even though they didn't go as I would want, or they maybe were like what I would have looked at as like a nightmare experience. I, I made it through, you know, so I'm grateful to be here now today. Yeah. So do you have any advice? So say someone searches out this podcast and they find out they're having an emergency C-section for like a NICU mom, like that kind of, do you have any advice for them that you would tell them in that moment? Like as they're looking at it as like, this is like my worst case scenario Honestly, what I was telling myself when I was like kind of being rolled out um, to the to the operating room and, you know, when I was up on that table, it's just like you can do hard things like, you know, just I was just repeating it, repeating it, repeating it like you can do hard things. Everything's going to be OK. Like and just trying to empower myself yeah. to recognize that, like, I am a strong woman. I can do this. It's going to be OK. And also just like, I do believe that everything happens for a reason and it's hard, it's hard to accept that in the moment. But like, I think, you know, like if I look at the positives, like I said before, I got extra time with my baby, my baby's okay. Like, you know, and just, just empowering yourself to understand like you're doing this and like, it doesn't make you any less of a mom. It doesn't make you any less of a birthing woman, like to have your birth that way or for things to not go the way that you planned or intended like 
that's kind of where I stand with it. And yeah, just like also recognizing like you do have control over certain things. So, you know, if there's something that you don't want or you do want, like making sure that you're advocating for yourself um, was really a big thing too that helped like feeling like I was in control of certain things being able to say yes and no to certain things and just like standing in my power so that would be kind of what I would suggest and then for the NICU situation it's kind of a separate thing um just like knowing that it's not going to be forever and that it's going to be okay and you know that your day will come where you get to go home and get to have that experience because I still feel like even though he spent so much time in the NICU, we're still having a great, you know, experience at home. And it's even more special, I feel now, because I know like what I kind of missed out on and I'm really taking in every moment and, you know, really likes, like I spend so much of my day just choosing to have him like contact nap on me because that's just what I want. And that's, you know, that's what we want. And we're just taking it day by day. You know, I go up and I take naps with him you know, I spend a lot of my time with him in my arms because I can or baby wearing him. And I just cherish like so much more all of the moments that we have together because our experience was so much different at the beginning. And, you know, there was things that I couldn't do. So your day will come. You'll get, you know, to snuggle with your baby tight at home. You'll get to just take a nap on the couch or, <laughs> you know. I got like goosebumps you saying that. Like, I just, yeah. I love that so much that, like this experience that happens to you is out of your control and it like doesn't define you as a mom, as a birthing person, your future of birthing. So like, yeah. I love that. Oh, you're so yeah. cool. <laughs> Thank you. Um, where can people find you if they have any questions and want to reach uh, out? So I have uh, an Instagram that I kind of do most of, my, most of my birthy talk and sharing on and that is at peace and peonies birth so you can find me there and my dms are always open and it is a private account i'll probably open it back up to public i didn't tell anybody that i was pregnant in my um personal life really other than my family so i kept that account private but i'll probably open it back up and i also um if anybody's in this area support um i'm starting to support births um around here and um postpartum um, doula work so you can reach out yeah you're incredible I look forward to like watching your journey and like how everything unfolds for you and just how you keep growing as a person as a birth worker as a mom thank you yeah excited. I'm excited I'm excited to see where where this takes me as well only great things they're lucky yeah. to have you Oh, you're so great. Okay, thank you so much for coming on and it was it was a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> See you, buddy. <laughs> Bye. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Birthing on the Prairies. I am so happy to have you here listening and learning and sharing with us. If you're interested in sharing your own birth story, please head on over to my Instagram, Birthing on the Prairies, and there will be a link in the bio where you can submit your own story and I will get a hold of you. 
like, share, subscribe, leave a review if you're loving the podcast. I would love to hear from you. I'm going to start reading out reviews during the live podcast recording. So again, thank you guys so much for sharing and learning this experience with us. And we'll see you next time.